Don't keep living this lie. Get it settled today. There's no reason to live a lie. Why not just give your life to Jesus today? I don't understand. People will make fun of me. They'll mock me. Better that now than ending up in hell for all of eternity. We can turn in our Bibles this evening to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. We'll read the first four verses together there. Thank you. We should have a coffee up here. That'd be kind of interesting. Maybe not. No, okay, no coffee. First John chapter number uh, 1, and we'll, we'll read in verse 1. And maybe uh, if we could stand as we read God's Word, we'll read it all together. Read the first four verses together. First John chapter 1. In verse 1, if you're there, let us begin. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today, for this evening. Thank you so much for the Bible, for this passage. And Lord, I pray you'd be with the message this evening, be with my voice, be with... Uh, those in the audience today, that you would prepare their hearts, open their hearts, and remove distractions, and just use us this, this evening to uh, worship and honor you. Thank you once again for this day. We pray in your name. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1, the verse we just read, starts off by saying, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon. John starts out this book by describing to us here Jesus. He says here, that which was from the beginning, that which we have heard. John is basically explaining to us here that he's, he's, a, he's an eyewitness of the accounts that he's about to explain to us. He heard it, seen with our eyes, we have looked upon, our hands have handled of the capital W, the word of life. Not only that, look at verse 2. It says, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. John is once again explaining to us that Jesus was a person that he heard on earth. He, he said his hands have handled. He, he touched him. He, he felt him. He heard, his, he heard him. He felt his presence. Verse 3, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. John saying, I want to explain to you the things that I heard from Jesus. Declare unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. So you can understand what we're talking about. So that we can have fellowship with each other. It's hard to have communication with somebody when you don't understand what's going on. 
There's a group of people talking over in the corner. They're talking about uh, a sport or a book that they read or a movie they like. And you try to get in on the conversation, but you've never seen, you never read the book before. You don't even like that sport. You don't know what they're talking about. It's going to be hard to have fellowship in that particular instance. And John's saying, I want you to have this fellowship with us. I want you to know what Jesus is talking about. I want you to feel his presence like we have. He says in verse 3, That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And I love verse 4. These things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. John saying, I'm going to tell you these things so you can be happy. Full joy, not just partial joy. You know, growing up as a kid, I remember in, um, uh, in school, I was homeschooled, and one of the uh, books we had to read was the C.S. Lewis, The Chronicles of Narnia. We had to, uh, it was part of our lit- literature, and, and, and reading that, I remember as a kid, I wouldn't consider myself, uh, I, I wouldn't say I enjoyed reading a lot as a kid, but I remember reading the book and enjoying it, enjoying the story and the tale, and going back, and when I would read it, I remember f- feeling joy when reading it, but the difference is that joy was temporary. It didn't, the joy didn't last. Eventually, I read through all the, the books, and after I'm done thinking about it and, and enjoying it, I went on with my life and basically forgot about it. The joy was temporary. It didn't last, but John is telling us here that if you listen to these words of Jesus, this is joy that will last forever. So, what is this message that John has for us from Jesus? What is it? Look at verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him. This is it. Listen up. This is the message that we hear from Jesus. And declare unto you, and the first thing he says about Jesus is he gives us this illustration of God. What's this illustration he gives of God here? He says, and declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. No darkness at all. So the first thing we see here this evening is an illustration of God. John is trying to explain to us as best as he can what God is like, what Jesus is like. What, what, what it, and never having seen him before, perhaps, many of these people reading this letter were wondering perhaps the same thing. And he starts out with this illustration of God. And what is this illustration he gives? God is, what's the word? Light. He's light. And this is easier for us to understand because basically throughout time, books and novels and uh, movies, and they, they, they portray light as good and dark as bad. Now, movies and things today are trying to gray and blur those lines a bit. But generally speaking, light is good and dark is bad. That's the analogy. Even in the, the C.S. Lewis, the Chronicles of Narnia books I would read, it was very, very clear that light was good and dark was bad. The old, uh, those old cowboy western movies back the black and white era, you know, uh, thousands of years ago, you know, a long, long time ago, uh, you'd watch them and, and the, you you would watch interviews of the directors and they would explain to you the, the thought process behind 
the movies, and they would, many times they would say we purposely would put a white cowboy hat on the good guy, you know, the, the protagonist. We wanted the audience to be sure that this was a good guy from the very beginning. He was the guy on the horse coming into town. Generally, he didn't know he was about to save that town. He would go in, and he's got the white hat, and sure enough, the bandits would come around the back. All the bandits would have black hats on. And this constant battle between light and darkness is, has been going on through all of ages, all ages. Jesus is referred to here, God is referred to here as the light. The word light is mentioned a lot in the scriptures. And John references light many times, 24 times, he mentions the word light. God is light. In fact, if you, uh, uh, John chapter 1 and verse 7, I'll read this for you here. John chapter 1 verse 7, this is uh, John explaining to us Jesus Christ here yet again. He says in John 1, 7, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light. It's talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist, he was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Jesus is referred to here as the light. I remember when, we were, when I was younger, our family, we were missionaries in the Northwest Territories of Canada. Um, when we moved up there, it was very, there was a lot of things that was difficult for us, especially as a 13, 14, 15-year-old, when, it, when uh, that was the, the, the ages that I lived up there. Uh, many things were difficult about moving to the Arctic, uh, especially being, we were a family from California. In California, the weather is warm. In the Arctic, the weather is cold. That was probably the biggest adjustment. The second biggest adjustment for me was the daylight versus the darkness because it's just, it's different. In, uh, let's, I guess in the month of July, the sun would not go down. It would just stay up 24 hours a day. And for the whole month of July, you never saw darkness. That is weird. It's very strange. Now, at first, you're a kid, you're thinking, man, what could be better? This is fantastic. And it's interesting, too, because during those summer months, businesses would open earlier. People were just up. They were about, I mean, 2 a.m. The sun is beaming through your window. You just get up. You have more energy. It's just, it's so strange. But the opposite happens in December. In December, the darkness comes and you don't see the sun until January. I mean, the whole month. You, you, might, you have a white Christmas, as people love, but you can't see it. <laughs> it's, uh, I guess you can see it. They have electricity, of course. But it, it's, it's, uh, and you could imagine the depression rate skyrockets in those times of the year because there's no sunlight. It's difficult. Oddly, though, the daylight time was so difficult to fall asleep. It's easy to wake up, hard to fall asleep. And when we were up there, the missionary would just give us some techniques on how to fall asleep. And he said, honestly, the best technique is you just have to buy really nice, you know, blackening curtains. Or he said, what we do is we actually put foil on our windows. And it just reflects the light back and it surprisingly stays quite dark in your room. And that's what we started to do. We would put foil, we get really thick blankets and you have to do that. Sometimes you forget. You know, you're downstairs, you're playing games, you're talking, and it's like, 
it's 1 a.m. Man, how did this happen? It's so difficult to wrap your head around it. It's interesting, too. If you were to take a dark room, you were, if you were to make it as dark as you possibly could, as we would try to do in the Arctic. You know, I, I had my own room, and I tried to make it as dark as I could. And if you were to turn all the lights off in this room, actually, we could pull it off in here because there's, no, there's really no windows or anything. Uh, shut all the lights off, make it as dark as you possibly can. And if I were to get a light or a flashlight even here, is, a, is this a flashlight? Well, I won't do it just in case. You get a light and you were to shine that light, no matter how dark we make the room, you can still see the light, right? No matter how dark, dark can get, the dark is dark, it can't overpower the light. Now, even if it's a, a small match, you couldn't see it well. It wouldn't be bright enough, perhaps, to light your way. You'd probably stumble over chairs to get out. But you can still see the light. The light is stronger than the darkness. Which is why I think this is such an awesome example of who Christ is. Because no matter how dark your life gets, no matter how dark this world gets, and believe me, this world can get dark. Your life can get dark. Whether it's mentally or just physically, things that take place all around us, it will never be darker. It will never be strong enough to overpower the light of Jesus Christ. It's not stronger than God. God is light. And the Bible says very clearly here in verse 5, and in him is no darkness at all. That's what it says. No darkness at all. What an illustration of God. Nothing can stop God from shining where he wills. He is almighty and all-powerful, and completely unstoppable. And if I could say this, God is much power, more powerful than a little, a little match, than a flashlight. God is God. Second Samuel chapter 22 and verse 33 says, God is my strength and power, and he maketh my way perfect. Second Kings 17, But the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt with great power, and a stretched out arm, him shall ye fear, and him shall ye worship, and to him shall ye do sacrifice. First Chronicles 29, thine, O Lord, is the greatness, and the power, and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty, for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. What does Job say? Job says, He draweth also the mighty with his power. He riseth up, and no man is sure of life. He divideth the sea with his power, and by his understanding he smiteth through the proud. David says in Psalm 147, Great is our Lord, and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Matthew 22, Jesus answered and said unto him, Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. Matthew 28, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. 1 Corinthians, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. And Revelation 19, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven, saying, Alleluia, salvation is and glory, and honor, and power 
unto the Lord our God. To name a few verses that speak on the power and majesty of God. God is so much greater than you or I could ever possibly fathom. There is not one ounce of darkness in Christ. John 12, uh, 46 says, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Acts 26, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God is perfect. He is without darkness. And his light is so strong, it's so vibrant, it's so bright that no amount of darkness this world can throw at him will smother him out. And that's something that we could rest assured in Christ. We can put our faith in the light, the true light. But John doesn't stop here. In verse 5, he starts out with this illustration of God, of God being the light. But in verse 6, he gives us something else here to consider. He gives us in an illusion of God. This illusion of God. Look what happens in verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. John immediately flips the script here. In verse 5, the majesty, the glory, the magnificence of God, he is the ultimate light. But if we say that we have fellowship with him, if we pretend, if you will, if we have this illusion that we have this light, the Bible says that they're a liar. There are people today who pretend to have the light of God. They, they pretend. A person, this is a, a person that might be a mimicker, an imposter, you may say, a fake, a phony, a fraud. The Bible says here, a liar. They pretend to be of the lights, but they have no light shining within them. They walk around telling everyone they meet at church, hey, I have fellowship with God. But deep down, they're walking in darkness. The Bible calls them a liar because they walk in darkness. And darkness is the opposite of who God is because God is light. I remember growing up as a kid, we would often go camping. We loved camping. We would do tents sometimes, and eventually my dad bought a tent trailer. And it's, well, I don't need to explain it to you. It's, it's a trailer, but it's, the tents. Anyway, so we would take this around and we would go from campsite to campsite. One place we loved to go was the Yosemite National Park. We lived like an hour and a half, two hours from there in California. So we grew up going camping there all the time. That's where my parents uh, went on their honeymoon. So every year in May, we would go back. And uh, well, they, they would take us sometimes. And when we would go, it was lots of fun. We'd camp all throughout the year. And sometimes we'd go camping with extended family. So my aunts and uncles and my grandmas, grandpas, they would come. 
I remember one particular camping experience. We were with our, uh, I call him my gramps. He's my mom's dad, my grandpa. So my gramps, he was always, he was very, he knew how to do everything. He knew a little bit of everything in life. He was an electrician. He was a plumber. Uh, he was a carpenter. He, he was a mechanic. He could fix your car. He could build your house from the ground up. Uh, he probably has a cure for cancer. Just, you know, if he needs some extra money, he could do everything. He's also a pastor. And one thing I remember, we were camping, and he's always telling us what this bark does, and if you get sick, you could eat this. You know, I don't know. Maybe he made all this up. I don't know. He was very smart, taught us how to tie knots and on a truck. I wish I remembered how to do half the stuff he taught me how to do. But I remember one particular thing. He was teaching us how to build a fire. And he would show us how. And there's different ways and techniques you could use to build a fire. But he was trying to teach us just the principles of what it takes to build the fire. And he said, there's different ways you can set the sticks and you, know, you put the big ones on the bottom and you could do the, the, the teepee version or you can lay them flat. He's like, as long as when you lay your sticks down and you put your kindling in and you start the fire, as long as you leave enough space and air in there for oxygen to get in, then your fire has a chance to keep burning. He's saying if you pack the wood in too tight, or you have a, a barrier around your fire that's a little too tall, it doesn't have holes in it, and it prevents wind from getting in, oxygen from hitting that fire, he said, you're going to have a miserable time trying to start your fire. You're going to have to sit there and fan it all the time, right? You're going to have to keep fanning and keep fanning, keep pushing oxygen in, he said, or you can just build it the proper way in the first place. Oxygen is required. They say, uh, you know, We've had a really bad season of forest fires. And they say one of the worst uh, enemies uh, of the firefighters is the, the wind. When the wind is strong, it blows the fire. It keeps the oxygen flowing and it makes the fire worse. As a, if you are the fire, however, you need that oxygen. A Christian is the same way. There are many people today who may even be a Christian. They've accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. But if you allow sin, you allow darkness into your life without getting it confessed and, and back over to God and forgiven, you smother, in a sense, that Holy Spirit from working and shining through us. You are, in a sense, smothering the, the oxygen that we require to keep our fire burning bright, our light shining bright. Oftentimes, we allow darkness into our life we, that stops us from being who we need to be. I also believe this passage is also talking about people who are just pretending to be a Christian, pretending to know Christ, pretending to love God, yet they themselves have never truly given them their life over to Jesus Christ. The Bible calls us a liar. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 19 says, The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. Ecclesiastes 2.13, Then I saw that wisdom excelleth folly, as far as light excelleth darkness. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walketh in darkness. And I myself perceived also that one event happeneth to them all. Proverbs 2.13, who leave the paths of uprightness to walk 
in the ways of darkness. Isaiah says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. John 3 says, in, uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed uh, in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. There are so many verses on this topic, on light versus darkness, on allowing darkness into our life, pretending to be uh, with God, pretending to be him. And I fear today that there may even be Christians who come to church every Sunday all throughout the weeks and they appear to be in light. They appear like they know Jesus, but really in their heart, they've never truly given him reign and access. They've never given their life over to Jesus. I hope that's nobody here in this room. But if it is, don't, don't keep living this lie. Get it settled today. There's no reason to live a lie. Why not just give your life to Jesus today? I don't understand. People will make fun of me. They'll mock me. Better that now than ending up in hell for all of eternity. I feel like a little bit of shame today, though I would, I, none of us here in this room would shame you if you got saved today. In fact, there would be rejoicing. I still always remember when I was in Bible college, I was in Bible college, a college centered around training people to be pastors. Bible college is not a place generally you would get saved. You would become a Christian. You're supposed to be a Christian already and then go to the Christian school and then learn how to be more like God. But I remember sitting in chapel, uh, a preacher preached on being a Christian pretender. And I remember in that service, two, maybe three dozen people. One of them was my friend sitting in the same row as me. He stood up, he walked down the aisle, and he got saved. <laughs> and he was there training to be a preacher. And I remember that day. And he was crying and he was sobbing. And he said, I don't care if, every, if I lose all my friends. I don't care if you guys shame me. He said, I'm giving my life to God. And when he came back, no, not one person in that room shamed him. We hugged him. We rejoiced with him. We saw a burden lifted from his life. His life has changed. He was different. Your light that you think you might have is worthless without the spiritual oxygen of the Holy Ghost. You hold a burnt-out match trying to fit in, trying not to be noticed, but God notices. And you can try to fool everyone else around you, but you can't fool God. Oftentimes, a, a, a guy or a girl will, and I've seen this happen multiple times, back at home, uh, 
And uh, even in recent times, you have somebody, you, you, you fall in love with somebody, and, but this person doesn't really go to church. They don't, they're not really saved or anything. And uh, you get them to come to church, and they start to play the Christian game. They, they say the prayer, they, they go to church, and they, 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 they do the motions, and as soon as you've given your love over to them and they know they've got you, they start to slowly pull you away from church because it, it was never really theirs in the first place. And once they know they've got you hooked, they say, hey, let's just miss this Sunday or let's go here and let's do this. And before you know it, they've pulled you completely out of church. Be careful. Be careful even who you, who you allow yourself to be around. A liar in the light is not something that you or I ever want to have heard said of us. But you know, John ends here. In verse 5, he gives us an illustration of God. God is light. In verse 6, he talks about people who have this illusion of God, this, this illusion. They, they pretend to be light. But then in verse 7, he goes back. Verse 7, he says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. John is saying, look, God is light. Be careful. There are people who pretend to have that light, but you can have that light. You don't have to pretend. You can have it. It can be yours. We see verse 7, in illumination of God. You can actually be given this light. Illumination just simply means the providing of light to make something visible. You, you make that light shine, and God can make us be a, a beacon, a light to our lost and dying world. I, I remember the, the passage of the Apostle Paul. And in fact, let's just turn here real quick uh, to Acts chapter 22. Look at Acts chapter 22. The Apostle Paul is re, uh, recounting the time that he met Christ, and he wasn't expecting it. But in Acts chapter 22, he's, he's giving his testimony here. And uh, we'll start here in verse 4. In Acts chapter 22, I'm going to start reading here in verse 4. Paul says, And I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest doth bear me witness, and all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. So Paul's saying, look, I used to persecute Christians. I used to throw them in prison. Men, women, didn't matter. And he said, one particular day I had gotten a letter from the elders saying, go to Damascus and take those Christians captive any way you, you see fit. So he was. Paul was on his way to Damascus. We know the story, verse 6. And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus, about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. Notice it wasn't swelling darkness that surrounded him. It was a great light. And I fell into the ground 
And I heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Saul is walking on the road to Damascus. All of a sudden, this bright light shines. He falls to the ground. It's so bright, he can't see what's going on. A voice from the light saying, Saul, what are you doing? Why are you persecuting me? Verse 8, and I answered, who art thou, Lord? And he noticed he said, Lord. I think he knew who he was. And he, and he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. Whoops. Saul thought he was serving God. He thought he was doing the right thing. He didn't know he was doing the wrong thing. Jesus corrects him and says, you got zeal, but you just got zeal for the wrong thing. Verse 9, and they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, arise and go to Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. And look at verse 11. And when I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came to Damascus. God was so glorious, his, his image is too much for us to handle. It blinded Saul. He couldn't see anything. The people that were with him had to grab his hand, and had to, they had, he had to just rely on them to get him to where he was going. Eventually, he met a man, Ananias, who reluctantly uh, healed Saul through the power of God, and Saul got his vision back. I think of this story, the illustration how Paul, well, he was Saul at the time, who became Paul. Paul met God. He saw the light. And he was changed from that day forward. When he saw the light, Saul was never the same. He did a complete turnaround, and the very Christians he was persecuting, he joined now. And he, he helped them. In fact, he became known as the apostle to the Gentiles. The, the, he carried the light to the Jews, but the Jews rejected him. He took the light to the non-Jews, to anybody who would listen. He became really first, one of the first missionaries we ever see. When we get saved and walk in proper fellowship with Christ, we become illuminated, so to speak. We start to shine bright in dark places. Before we were saved, we were living in darkness, but salvation brings the light to us. And I love what John says in verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. We have fellowship one with another. The greatest fellowship in our world today is a bond between Christians because the bond goes just beyond sports. Sports is temporary. And sports is fun. It has its place, but it's temporary. It dwindles. It fades. But the bond that we have in Jesus Christ, that fellowship, is something that goes beyond race, if you will. It goes beyond from country to country. It, it travels through languages. It, it does, it's not bound by anything. The love of Jesus Christ goes to all that light that Jesus brings. So what do we see from these three verses here? We see that Jesus is the light. We see that we can receive this light, but 
Sometimes even after salvation, our light can become dim or even burnt out, if you will. And we can lack that fellowship with the Father if we remain in darkness. But it's always up to us to come back to the light. We can get this room as pitch dark as we possibly can. And I could shine a light, and we can see that light. But you know, if you walk far enough away, eventually you won't see the light. If it's a small match especially. If it's a big beaming light, you'd have to walk far away before you won't see it again. But theoretically speaking, eventually, if the world was dark and you just kept walking backwards, eventually you'd get so far away you couldn't see the light. Just know this, that Jesus Christ is the light. He is, he is lit at all times, and his light will never dim or diminish. But sometimes in life, we see that light, and we allow things in our life to blind us, to darken us. Now, Jesus, is, his light never goes out, but sometimes we go so far away from him, we can walk far back enough to where we can barely see that light anymore. To which Jesus tells us, come back to the light. Come back. And Jesus is always there waiting for us at all times. So where are you at today in your Christian walk with the Lord? Are you saved? Do you have the light of Jesus living within you? You can get that settled today. You don't have to wonder. Maybe you've been in church your whole life and maybe you still aren't sure. doesn't matter. Get it settled today. We'll rejoice with you. Maybe you're a Christian today, but you've allowed some darkness into your life. And that light that was beaming so bright, you used to stand so close to Jesus. It used to reflect back on you, but you've started to take some steps back. And now you're pretty far away from that light. It's getting dim. Maybe you need to come back to him today. Wherever you're at, just know that Jesus hasn't changed. And he's still the light that he once was. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.